Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest yourself today. And please, please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you will see a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Also, check out your favorite syndication network. We are on many of the networks, and when you see us, be sure to subscribe so the fresh content comes directly to you every time we release a new episode, which is very often. So today we're going to get into something. This is a topic I've actually wanted to have on Business Creators Radio for a while because I've been making this argument for about 10 years now. Let's say you have a local business, and folks have argued that if you have a local business, you don't really need to do a lot of that stuff that bigger global businesses need to do. Like, you don't really need to be on the Internet because you can just network for business globally. Uh, you don't really need to have a big social media because what are you going to do? You're going to get likes from three time zones away. What's that going to do for you? Or here's another one. What do you need to write a book for? You mean you're a local business? Well, those three statements that I just shared with you are not in any way factual. The fact is, facts are, when you do business these days and you go online in any way, you become a global business, even if you're serving a local market. Second, it's that global notoriety that makes you more effective locally. And third, as we're going to discover today, there are many reasons why you, as a local business owner, should publish a book. And I am delighted by today's guest. Her name is Donna Gunter. And she's going to share with us how to turbocharge your local business with a book. Now, I've known Donna for a long time, actually. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Donna Gunther, who's the Amazon number one best-selling author, uh, brand yourself as the trusted local celebrity and biz smart quick guide, 10 strategies to online visibility for more traffic, clicks, and profits, helps entrepreneurs, consultants, speakers, coaches, and professionals stop the client chase by leveraging their knowledge to gain authority status in their industry. She then dramatically amplifies their message and shows them how to convert the new audience into high-paying customers. So using her proven Beyond Business Famous Signature Seven-Step System, I love the alliteration there, she works together with her clients to build powerful personal brands and grow their businesses through speaking, publishing, and publicity. Donna is the host of Main Street Mavericks Radio and a writer for Business Innovators Magazine. And currently, she resides in Orange, Texas, and she resides with her husband, Eric. So, Donna, come on in. The weather's fine. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for that awesome introduction. I hope I live up to the hype. <laughs> well, I think you're, you're going to do fine. And I'm, I'm actually quite candid about this. I have been saying, arguing this for a long time. Yeah, I've seen examples of this. Local business owners who publish books even though they only serve a local market and even though the only people reading the book may be local, what that does to help them create go-to authority. So what we'd like to do now, before we dive in, I mean, I've known you for a long time, and some of our listeners may be listening in right now, 
they're checking out your website, they're looking up, uh, they're binging the DuckDuckGo on the Google to find out who this Donny Gunther is. So tell me a little bit. What we like to do is just take a quick step back and share with us a little bit about your journey, which brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, Adam, it's a trip that I don't wish on anybody. It's you know part hard, school <laughs> of hard knocks, <laughs> part uh, you know learning from massive mistakes. But uh, you know, it's, right. my journey, I guess, started almost 30 years ago when I uh, had got a good degree, a, a master's degree in higher education administration. Spent about 10 years in that industry, and became a crispy critter, completely burned out. Uh, but had a dream to start my own business. M- made a first foray into that. Uh, well, turning a hobby into a business, which I discovered wasn't a really great idea because I didn't enjoy what I did anymore as a hobby. <laughs> it, 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 I, don't, right. I don't encourage anybody to do that. Uh, then went back into nonprofit management, did that for several years. And I was living in Massachusetts at the time, and I'm a native Texan born and bred. And I had just about enough of the winters there and didn't like my job, didn't like my marriage, didn't like my life. So I blew up my life. Uh, filed for divorce, right. put my house on the market, sold most of my possessions, and moved back to my small little rural East Texas hometown into my childhood bedroom and opened my business as a marketing assistant in my mom's garage in a town of about 8,000 people where the primary industries are timber and bass fishing. So, you know, I wasn't going to find a lot of prospects there. Fortunately, I'd already been online about a year at that time. This was 1998 when I moved back and had made a lot of connections online even in that infant Internet stage and uh, had picked up some strategies, so opened the doors of my business called Soho Biz Solutions at that point in time in 1999 and quickly figured out that I had a gift for marketing. A lot of what I'd done in higher ed would be termed marketing and business, but we didn't call it that in higher ed. We called it programming, and I discovered, uh, you know, a great business application that all the stuff that I had done to get those college students to come to both educational and uh, social activities, you know, as instead of going to get drunk at the keg party off campus or, you know, any number of alcohol events off campus, um, was right. pretty strong. You know, apparently I developed some headline writing and copywriting skills that I didn't call that at the time, but those were, uh, I, I used those abilities that I'd had, you know, to, to make uh, educational programs on homophobia or date rape or alcoholism, you know, sound interesting and fun and, you know, motivate college students to attend those. And so transferred those skills into what I now called marketing. Um, eventually my business transitioned to business coaching and marketing coaching. And along the way I discovered a cool little, another cool little strategy that harkens back to my higher ed days. And that was the whole notion of sharing what you know. Now, I'm, a, I guess, a, innately a teacher, even though I did not teach at the college level, but the students with whom I was working, I did teach. You know, we taught leadership skills. We taught personal development skills, taught, you know, all kinds of, of things, you know, that didn't necessarily pertain to a college degree but would help them in their lives and their careers. And uh, as that innate teacher, that was something that was very easy for me to do because as a card-carrying introvert, I don't like talking about myself. I don't like selling at all. I don't like selling myself, least of all. I can sell probably anything else but but myself. And so I started writing lots of articles back in the early 2000s, you know, when article marketing was all the rage before Google changed algorithms for the article. Oh, I Penalized all that. And Uh so got lots of traffic, lots of attention, 
and people would tell me when they were ready to hire me as their marketing coach at the time, they would say, well, you know, Donna, I've spent like three hours on your website, and you have some really great information here. When can we get started? You know, it was a brilliant uh, realization to me that, wow, people were coming to me ready to buy. I didn't have to go through any of that yucky sales and sales stuff, you know, having sales conversations, making sales calls. They arrived ready to buy. How cool was that? And so I discovered what was initially called education marketing, which is kind of transitioned to content marketing. And now everybody's obsessed with content marketing. You know, there's a whole institute uh, the Content Marketing Institute formed around that, that notion. But it all started with me writing a lot of how-to articles about what I knew and what I was currently doing in my business, you know, in terms of marketing it. I've always been my number one and best guinea pig for anything that I've done marketing-wise. I try it out on myself and my business before I foist it on clients or, you know, talk about it publicly. And people were fascinated right. with that. And for me, it was stuff that you know, I kind of did naturally, but, you know, the light bulb finally went off when I was at a networking meeting uh, for eWomen Network in Houston, and we, you know, the part of the meeting was you, you sit around in a circle and you um, tell the other uh, seven women at your table what you need, and I said, oh, I want subscribers to my email magazine, my email newsletter, and so all these cards came flying my way because you would pass your card if um, you wanted, you were interested in what the person had to offer. And they weren't necessarily interested in being subscribers to my email newsletter. They were more interested in, oh, my gosh, you have an email newsletter? How can I get one of those? And I thought, gosh, you guys have been in business longer than I have. Doesn't everybody know how to do this? It was just amazing to me they didn't know how to do this. And so, you know, the light bulb went off of, oh, you know, all these things that I take for granted that I think everybody knows how to do, nobody knows how to do. And I've always had an affinity for technology, picking it up easy, being able to teach it really easily. I discovered that in grad school, too, because I got asked to be a grad assistant in a computers and higher ed course when we were using a very antiquated, now antiquated, non-existent software called Framework, which is basically what Microsoft Office does now, um, but in the DOS age. And, you know, I don't know what happened to the company with Framework, and Framework disappeared as an application. But at any rate, I discovered all those skills in grad school, and uh you know, just discovered the joy of letting people know what I know, you know, sharing that knowledge with them, and that built my expertise without me having to sell anything. Well, fast forward then to yeah. about 2014, I'd been marketing, doing marketing and business coaching for about 14 years or so at that point. I was kind of bored with it and ran across two guys in Houston, uh, even though we've never met personally, we only live three hours apart, but we've never personally met, who were running a mastermind group on authority marketing, and that's kind of what uh, what I considered myself doing, authority marketing, even though people don't necessarily recognize that term. But part of increasing the authority that you have in your local area or with your with your tribe is book publishing. And I've uh, been a you know avid reader since I was five years old. Always had a library card, uh, massive number on massive numbers of books. You know, when I was moving from Massachusetts to back to Texas, I had probably twenty or thirty boxes of books. And after bo- box number ten, the mover said. Uh, you know, I don't want to be rude, but do you, like, run a library or something? Because <laughs> he had never seen anybody with that num- that number of books. So I said, no, I just read a lot. Right. And, you know, I don't have that as many any longer because I've kind of gone more digital than, than physical. But I still have uh, probably more than the average bear, you know, in terms of, of books. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And so 
I got Jack and Brian were talking about how to publish a book and using that to establish your authority. So I said, okay, well, I always wanted to do this. Let's see how I can do this. And the way they talked about it made it very easy. It was an anthology or, or you know, multi-author, multi, excuse me, multi-author book. And so I said, well, let's just give this a whirl. And of course, you know, I said, I'm, I'm my own guinea pig. So I contacted nine other marketing colleagues I knew and said, hey, I have this idea. You don't have a book. I want a book. You probably want a book. Let's all become book authors. Let's all become uh, Amazon best-selling authors. All you have to do is write a chapter, short chapter, on your area of expertise. We'll put them all together and boom, call it a book. Right. So we yeah. did that and put it all together in 2014. And that's when Amazon, um, I think, was really kind of had a blowing up around how easy it was to self-publish through Amazon uh, on their Kindle platform as well as their print platform. And so, you know, I learned the formatting bit. We got a cover designed, and voila, you know, we put it all together, published it on Amazon, ran an Amazon bestseller campaign. We all became bestselling authors. I was hooked. They were hooked. And never before in my business career had I had an experience where people were so thrilled so quickly, you know, because I got really quick results with the success they had in this endeavor. And I thought, hmm, I should be doing this for a living and really focusing on publishing. And so that's how that all happened. Uh, I was initially focusing on people who had more global businesses similar to my own where you don't have, you're not geographically limited by the, the customers that you sell. But about a year, year and a half ago, I realized, oh, you know, people who own local businesses can really use this. However, they don't even remotely consider this as an option because it's just not something that's done locally. It's a really out-of-the-box idea. But it's uh-huh. been one of the most successful target markets I've ever targeted because it is so out-of-the-box. And as you, as you know, I talk to people in smaller towns or even, you know, cities for that matter, you know, say a town of 35,000 that might have 15, 20, 25 dentists there, my client will be the only dentist with a book. And I can almost guarantee that because yeah. it's just not a notion that local businesses grab onto. But what makes it even better for them is that I don't saddle them with this, oh, you know, now you've got a book you have to market because, that's what people hear about a book. It's like, oh, well, it's one thing to write it, and it's one thing to get it out to the masses. So my philosophy on book publishing is probably vastly different from a lot of other book publishing coaches. I don't really like to call myself that because it's not yeah. about the book publishing. It's about integrating the book into what you're already doing in your marketing. So if you're doing television advertising, radio advertising, you're on the sides of buses, you're on park, park benches, you're on billboards, you have newspaper advertising, you're giving things away from your website, I take a look and assess all the advertising that you're doing and integrate giving away the book as a piece of all of that in some shape, form, or fashion. So it's not about book sales. They can actually make more money by never selling a copy of the book, and that's kind of hard for them to swallow initially because it goes against the grain of everything they ever thought they knew Uh about publishing a book. And I said, okay, look, we can go one, one of two ways. You know, we can, you know, hammer out and, and beg and plead people to buy this book for nineteen ninety nine from Amazon, or we can use this book very strategically in your marketing campaign and perhaps get you 30 customers paying you 5K a piece for your, you know, whatever product they sell that, or service they sell at that, at that point. I said, which would you prefer? So they're not stupid. You know, they say, oh, I want the 30 people at the 5K a pop. You know, let's do that. 
And so right. that has has made my job a lot fun, a lot more fun than it has been in a long time. Uh, you know, having yeah. been 20 years in business, this is the longest I've ever done anything, uh, longest I've ever stayed in a career, even though the career has ebbed and flowed and not it's not the same business as it was when I started in 1999. But it is so remarkable for my clients, so cool. They're so impressed. And surprisingly enough, they don't really care about being an Amazon best-selling author. That's not – I mean, some of them have egos that want to be stroked, and that's really cool for them. But for the bulk of my clients, that's, that's a non-sequitur. It's a, non, it's a you know, no, no big deal. They don't really care about that. All they're looking for is something that's going to bring them uh, an evergreen source of leads, going to make them stand out in their community as a trusted local authority, going to set them above and beyond their the competition, and going to bring them new prospects and new clients. So that's yeah. the the 15-minute story. <laughs> Probably longer than I was, was, was going to say, this is, uh, is going to be a pretty easy interview because you've already done most of the work. Well, no, I'm just kidding. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to point out a few things, a few things you dropped within there that I think are priceless when we dive into the primary content of what we're going to cover today. So first thing I want to mention is that you know you mentioned when you were moving and the movers asked if you had a library. In my case, five years ago when I moved across the country, my entire anticipated moving budget was basically blown just packing the library. What I did not know going into wow. it is how heavy is how heavy books actually are when you put them in a box. So I very quickly right. was finding that I was filling uh, a box like about a third way full of books and then put towels and other lightweight stuff around it. And then I have to pack that stuff really tight so the books didn't bounce around and screw everything up. So it made my job of packing all my stuff for shipping a lot more, shall we say, interesting. And it rose the right. price of that significantly because books are heavy, damn it. And um, while I do have a sizable digital library of my own, I also appreciate hardcover books. Uh, a common question then I will ask when somebody comes to me, and I get these questions all the time. They say, "Hey, uh, today my book came out. I was wondering if you could." Uh, and that's, I mean, you don't just come out and say it. And I'm, and I'm perfectly fine with it because everybody's got a hustle and everybody's looking to succeed. They'll say, "Hey, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to hit my. I'm trying to hit my Amazon bestseller here. Uh, my Kindle's just 99 cents. Can you help somebody else?" And I'll say, "I'll, I'll look at it." And uh, and you know, and here's how I'm gonna. Here's a little tell here. If I just go pick up the Kindle book and say, cool, done, then the book is probably a modicum of interest to me. And it's one of those things I read when I get to it because I might find one nugget out of it and really I just want to help a friend. If I ask a question like, do you have a paperback because I'll buy both, that means that you're some combination of your marketing, your title, and your presentation to me has got me intrigued enough I want it on my bookshelf. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. the other cool thing about a print book is that in marketing, businesses, I think, are kind of over and their customers are over. Have, they have Internet marketing fatigue. And so what I see happening is in the marketing arena for whatever business you might be in, people are going back to old school methods. They're going back to sending postcards. They're going back to sending direct mail letters, you know, the 10 to 15 page letters that we used to complain about, you know, like, oh, my God, I got so much direct mail today, you know, and throw it all in the trash. But that's become a novelty to us because we've we've all, whether we're in business or not, have become so dependent upon 
um, virtual stuff, you know, from the being inundated with YouTube videos or Facebook posts or Instagram posts or emails, um, going back to something that we can physically hold our, hold in our hands is something new and different, especially for a lot of the millennials who have never really had that experience or not ever, not ever known that. And so that's why well, yeah. uh, I think putting, publishing a book is even more important in this day and age because you know, just the fact you have something to physically give somebody, even though the, an ebook is important, but you have a physical product to be able to give somebody makes them stand at attention and say, wow. And, of course, they're going to put it on their bookshelf, put it in their on their desk. They may not open it right away. They may not read it right away, but it's, they don't throw it away. You know, they'll throw the business card away. They'll throw the brochure away. They'll throw the flyer away. Sure. And everybody in the world, I think, uh, loves books, not to throw away books, except for my husband. He's a little weird. He yeah, throws throw away books, which yeah, I, <laughs> which I cringe. <laughs> I go, tr- I go take them yeah. out of the trash, which annoys him. But, you know, it's there reminding people that you are available whenever they get ready to solve that problem that you have written a book about. I, yeah, that's funny because I sometimes go through my bookshelf and I think, why do I still have a copy of this? But that's the funny thing. We'll never throw a book away. Now, you mentioned that having the introvert type personality and that I have a very strong introverted personality. I mean, I am the person who will never carpool with somebody because that means, that can mean I can get stuck somewhere. If there's a car right. before the main event, if there's a cocktail hour before the main event, somehow I'm going to have an urgent client thing that's going to detain me right until the moment of the main event. It's weird how this stuff happens. So let's take this to, let's take this one more level, and this is where a book can be helpful, is I belong to a, you know, a few different networking organizations, one of which is Rotary. And before I became a published author myself, before the release of Groundhog Days and Event Not a Business Strategy in 2018, they, I got named that to some of these organizations, and they all said something like consult. And so what would happen is I'd be sitting at the table or standing around or, or, or what have you, and some person who I don't even know from Adam comes up to me, and while glancing at my name tag says, usually with food in your mouth, which makes me sick, uh, they'll say, yeah, there's misophonia there too. They'll say, uh, so what kind of consultant do you do, Adam? And I, that's question annoyed me so much. At one point I said, does it really matter? And I challenged him, does it really matter what type of consulting I do? I mean, I mean, do you have, what, what, what does me being a consultant have to do with you at all? So I actually put that around on him and uh, he thought they could answer that question. They just sort of backed off. Now what I recognize is, and I know this is what you're going to cover when we finally get to some content here, which we will in just a second, I mean some like specific content about local businesses publishing books, is that, you know, uh, the idea of being a consultant is about as interesting, candidly, as, as looking sandpaper. I, I mean, it's, it's that a great thing. Or selling insurance. So, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, and I, and I know people who are short salesmen who are very, and saleswomen who are very interesting people, so I don't put that down at all. In fact, uh, we have listeners who sell insurance at various sites, and these are some great dynamic entrepreneurs and actually people who should be listening to what you're about to share with us about being within the local business and writing a book. Usually when you sell insurance, that's some sort of local business. Now, when I published Groundhog Day and Prevent Not a Business Strategy, my intention was is for that book to basically answer the question, 
what types of consulting do I do? And I share that through a series of stories and anecdotes. I mean for it to be entertaining and lighthearted so that you have a good time reading the book. So I had all those name tags and all those organizations changed instead of saying consultant. I have them changed to say author slash speaker. So now the question, and I've noticed that all of a sudden people don't have food in their mouth anymore when they walk up to me, maybe because I posted on Facebook that misophonia is a real thing with a picture of an angry bear. I don't know. Now they come up to me and say, oh, you're an author? Tell me about your book. Well, see, that's a different conversation. Uh, Absolutely. It's a, more exciting to, it's a little bit more exciting to tell people about my baby than about my job, if that makes sense. And so I can oh, yeah. share a couple funny stories about the book. Um, if they're interested in the book, I can point them right to a very easy link that they can usually remember right off the top of their head or otherwise quickly put their smartphone bookmark, or they can go to Amazon and grab the very inexpensive Kindle copy then and there. So one way or another, I can put them in the stream of receiving my message because I have a book, and it makes for a much more interesting conversation because, and I, and I mean this is no disrespect to consultants because, you know, I am a consultant, but everybody's a consultant, really, when you think about it, but not everybody's right. an author. And when we're exactly. talking about the local dentist or local insurance agents or whatever it is, not everybody is um, not everybody's an author. I like to quote one thing from Guy Kawasaki who has said that most business books sell less than 500 copies total. And when I hear that, I say, well, if that's, if that's the bar we go to scale, let's do it. That's an easy one. Finally, I will mention a little story I have, and now we're going to get into asking you some questions here, really good stuff, is I remember a story of a local car dealership that where the owners published a book about their philosophy on customer service. And they weren't caring about international Amazon bestseller. The purpose of that book is so they could find its way into waiting rooms of every professional service provider in town, the local lawyers, the local doctors, the local insurance agents, right. anybody, somebody potentially is a car buyer, which is just about everybody, and people would pick up that book, leaf through it, or at least remember that the author of a book on, best, on great customer service owns the local car dealership in town, and it plants that seed of, if I buy my car at this dealership, I'm buying from people who literally wrote the book on customer service. I have a higher expectation of great service when I buy my car. Precisely. That's what happens. You know, you, you develop authority and credibility so quickly in your industry, you know, they literally think, you know, well, why am I not doing business with the person who wrote the book on it? You know, none of these other guys or people yeah. have written books. I need to go to that person because obviously he or she knows what what they're talking about. They've got a they've got a book on the subject or some subject related to you know what it is they do for a living. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive a little bit deeper. Um, that's one reason why a business owner who operates locally would need their own book. What are some other reasons? Well, what I tell, typically tell my clients to do is to get that book into as many hands as possible. So I help them develop what's, what Dan Kennedy calls, you know, a shock and awe package. Different people call it, call it different things. And depending upon who they're sending it to, we have different modifications of that package. But you really want to try to get your book into the hands of your current clients, past clients, prospects, vendors, families, friends, colleagues. Send it out as much as, as fiscally responsibly that you can, you know, financially responsibly, 
um, and get it out there to as many people as you possibly can because if they're not going to use it, they're going to pass it along to somebody who will. What's unique about the kind of book that I help my clients write, it's not the end-all and be-all to a particular subject matter. It's not going to be a book of 175, 200 pages. It's a one-problem, one-solution book so that one cuts down on your wholesale cost, you know, as the author of that book to be able to send that out to people. It's, you know, less weighty than, say, a 200-page book. But it really does do two things. It can be read in one sitting. And so, secondly, that enhances the likelihood that it will actually be read. So somebody pulls it out of a briefcase or a purse, uh, because I try to get the size of the book to be similar to something, uh, you know, like a larger smartphone, small tablet kind of thing. If somebody's on the bus, uh, in an airport, on the subway, they can read it on the way to work or on the way to travel someplace, sitting in the parking lot reading it to pick up a kid as they're waiting to pick up a kid from school, waiting for a doctor's appointment. They, it's, it's all about one particular issue that you're an expert in, and I work with clients and to brainstorm with them the services and products that they offer, what's most profitable for them and or enjoyable for them, and then uh, really digging deep to come up with a one-problem, one-solution book that covers the issues that people, that their potential clients have with that, but do it in a way that is short, succinct, to the point, and basically comes out in 50 to 70 pages. Now, all of that is not necessarily text. It's, you know, some calls to action at the beginning and the end of the book, some testimonials, uh, some references to other books if they've got other books written. So there's some promo stuff that I have clients do that they can't do if they have an agent and get a book deal through Simon & Schuster. So that's the flexibility you have with publishing. But not only do you send it out to, to clients and prospects, Send it to members of the media, to your local radio stations, your local newspapers, your local magazines, uh, your local TV studios, because even though print media is dying, you know, we've seen the death mail for that start 10 or 15 years ago, reporters are still tasked with looking for stories and looking for sources for stories, especially when they need an expert opinion on something. You might as well be that expert that they call up. So if you live in a right. market like I do, it's really easy to get on television and radio around here. It's not very competitive because it's, you know, it's a fairly small market. But that, you know, if you were living in a bigger market, Dallas, Houston, San Francisco, L.A., that potentially is going to set you aside from anybody else because, again, of that philosophy of, oh, this is the person who wrote the book on it. And two, that reporter does not throw the book away because it's not a brochure, it's not a business card, it's not a flyer. They're going to hang on to it. And probably put it in a file, because I used to do this when I was in higher ed. I got inundated with flyers from um, other higher ed professionals who uh, were doing private consulting. They would come and do training, because we trained student staff and, and uh, full-time staff on various issues. And we, we had you know, something of a training budget, so we didn't have to do all the training ourselves, thank God. And so I would hang on in those days. This was in the 1990s, you know, to those flyers. That's all that they had available. And so I'm assuming reporters do something similar now. They hang on to sources because they want to be able to do their job easily. And the easier that you can make it, make their job as the expert, you know, maybe they just even quote from your book. They may not even have to call you up, but that's media recognition that you would not normally get without a book. Right, right, very very true. Now, you made a comment in there about the length of the book. And I want to get your thoughts on something here because this is something that I thought about when I created Groundhog Days and about not a business strategy. And a couple of my own clients who have written books as well is 
I have a consideration when it comes to books because I'm sitting here in my chair in my office and I'm looking up at my bookshelf and there's a section of my bookshelf that is dedicated to books written by people who have been guests on Business Creators Radio Show. Many of them send me books and I keep the book. Uh, funny thing, I keep the book. Going back to what you said, I don't throw it away. Like right. I throw away a business card or I sort of nod and smile with a thank you card and, and then 86 it. I keep the book. But the funny thing is, is from eight feet away where that section of the bookshelf is and where I'm sitting right now, I can't see some of those books because they're so skinny. So the advice I give folks, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is make it thick enough, and I think the magic number is something like 128 pages, where from eight feet away people can see your spine. That is a valid concern, um, but I will let you know that some of the best, most best-selling books in – in history are actually under 100 pages, <laughs> and the most read books are under 100 pages. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a catch-22. Uh, part of the process I go through with clients is figuring out what they want to do, what they want to accomplish with books. Many of them are using it as a lead generation tool. Um, I talked to a fertility expert yesterday, um, and she has a very novel way that she uses her book. Her book is, is you know, on the thicker side. It took her about a year to put that together, and that's after, you know, fiddling around for three years on her own. She finally got a publisher and, and was able to move forward. But her book had, covers a lot of subjects, and she has come to use the book so that she, one, doesn't have to repeat the same thing, you know, to 15 million people and you know, to all of her clients. She'll point them different in different directions. And she'll also use the book because, you know, she's dealing with fertility and, you know, that can be a very disheartening process, very depressing, very unmotivating, especially if it's not if you're not successful in that. And she'll pull out excerpts from the book and ask her clients to read, you know, chapter so-and-so on this topic or, you know, here's a story about something similar that you're going through and discovers that it's that book serves a purpose that she never intended it to serve. And that was to keep her clients or customers or patients, I guess I should say, motivated throughout the treatment process. And it's just worked wonders for her because they come back from being very disheartened to being motivated all over again. It's like, okay, okay, you know, we're going to give this a try. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep moving on because of the section she asked them to read in the book, and they actually did that. So the primary reason I tell people to write, you know, the shorter book is because so many books, business books I have sitting on my shelf, I don't read them. Or I'll go and just look at the one chapter that I need, and I'm done with it. So rather than beating yourself up and, and struggling to write that kind of end-all or be-all book, I encourage them just to write that short short book because I think overall it will be more effective for them. Granted, you might not be able to see it because there's nothing on the spine uh, of the bookshelf, but, Adam, I think most people are probably not like you and me. They probably can count on two hands the number of books that they own, so I don't know how much of that's a problem for the rest of the world, except as bibliophiles, you know, who love and hoard and collect books. That's an interesting take on it. I'm glad I asked. So we covered a couple ways that uh, publishing a book helps the local business grow. Uh, is there anything else we need to add to that topic? I want to make sure we cover it. Uh, I guess I would say that, you know, it's definitely – the only thing I can think of that, that's, you know, and I've, I've talked about this a couple of times, to put you above and above, above and beyond any of your local competition, it gives you so much credibility 
people actually become kind of starstruck because you're an author. I mean, you talked about going to networking events and you introduce yourself as an author. I encourage my clients to do that because, as you mentioned, it's a much different conversation. And it's a game changer if you're an introvert at a networking event, which you and I are, to be able to talk about your book because you can really talk about yourself and your business in a way that feels very easy and effortless and non-threatening. So if you haven't gone, if you've got a book and you haven't introduced yourself as an author at a networking event, give it a shot and see how that that changes the entire conversation. And what's also kind of funny is that people become a little starstruck. So you know, three minutes before they may have never heard of you, but suddenly if you have a book in hand, you become uh, somebody that need, they need to know. And you know, in our age of selfies, it's like, oh, can I take a selfie of you and with you? And can I post it on my Facebook page? It's like, oh, sure, knock yourself out. Take a copy of the book while you're at it. So that's that's kind of a cool yeah. side effect that I never anticipated because I'm not in the social media quite in that way. All right, so um, so we may hop around here a little bit because just the way the conversation flows, and I'm loving this topic by the way. Um, you met you know when I asked the question of about thickness and size and 148 pages and all that, and you made the comments about how some people just don't have that concern; they don't have that many books to put on the shelf. Uh, another thing that you share with your audience, and I want you to give some insight with us, is how can a busy local business owner write a book fast? And you've argued that they can get it done as shortly or quickly as an hour, 60 minutes. How does that work? Well, it's what I call pushing the easy button, you know, the steal from the Staples commercial. Um, after I meet with my clients and we figure out uh, – what we want to, to focus on, I come up with a very uh, precise list of questions for them to answer in an interview. And it's all about the topic that we've, uh, we've talked about. I allow them, I give them the, the questions ahead of time to allow them to create talking points for themselves. And then we schedule an interview that typically runs about 60 minutes and they get to talk through their talking points. So, so many business owners, or so many people, I guess I should say, don't like writing. Writing is painful for them. You know, I think there's only a, a small minority of people that actually enjoy writing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of a lot of minority groups, and that's one of them. Lover of books and lover of writing, but that's not the that's not the normal case. Most people like to talk more than they like to write, and so right. it's especially true with people in a leadership role. You know, they they are given to have to speak all the time, whether that's to their customers, to their employees, to other businesses, etc. So if they can talk their way through something, it's like well, this is easy and effortless. I'm just having a conversation about this, talking about what I know, you know, about this particular aspect of my business. And so in that 60-minute conversation, I can take the the transcript from that, format that into several chapters, come up with a 50- to 75-page book, maybe a little bit longer, uh, depending upon how uh, verbose they are, how much they, they talk, and have something that they can actually hold in their hands as as little as 60 days. You know, that's with the formatting and creating the cover, the whole nine yards. And so the time that they have to invest in this process is less than four hours. And that's a heck of a lot better than saying, oh, well, I've got to put on my calendar, you know, my one-hour writing time, and, oh, I don't have an outline, and I don't even know what I'm going to write about today. Just like this fertility specialist talked, uh, told me yesterday that she did for three years. She did nothing, basically, but she wanted desperately to have this book, and it was only when she hired somebody to help her um, write it that she made it happen. Now, her process took a lot longer 
because they were writing a, I guess, the more kind of complete guide to fertility type of thing, which is not what I do with my clients. But it hastens the process. It does not slow the business owner down. And if you own a business, I mean, my gosh, you know, you're dealing with, if you, especially if you've got a brick-and-mortar location, You've got customers that are walking in the door. You've got employees that you're trying to manage. You've got bills that you're trying to pay. You, and if you've got a life outside of your business, you know, you've got spouse, significant other, family, kids, et cetera, and then all their activities. And adding one more thing to your to-do list, even though it might be a marketing item that might bring you customers, is probably not your priority. So if you can ha- spend as little time as possible to convey your information to somebody who can take with it, take it and run with it, they are so thankful for that, and then adding the piece to integrate into their current marketing activities makes it a win-win situation all around. They're thrilled with having something physical to give out. We also use an ebook version in in certain aspects of their marketing, um, and it makes them be be the superstar among their employees, among their colleagues, and among their clients or or, or patients or customers, uh, because being a book author still has a great amount of awe and being starstruck that that's associated with it. Yeah, it, it's funny how that works. Uh, the moment that I became um, a, a published author in my own right, because I'm so used to this industry, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is just another step in my progression. But I became a hero to a bunch of people overnight who simply don't understand uh, and think that I really went through hell and high water. When I'll tell you candidly, I didn't. So, right. <laughs> is the book publication, so I know this is almost asked and answered, but is the book publication process difficult? It doesn't have to be. Now you can you can go the hard okay. way if you want to. If you're if you're bound and determined to do it yourself, well, that it's still it's complicated. There's still a lot to learn. But if just like in most things, you know, you wouldn't do your own heart surgery. You probably wouldn't uh, try to repair the the carburetor in your car, and you know, especially in this, this day and age when everything is computerized. Uh, you wouldn't install your new air conditioning system. You hire a professional to do that. And so the, the, that same philosophy extends to marketing and, and very specifically around, you know, getting your book published. You can go the hard route, and you may be successful, or you can take a shortcut and take, take it the easy route with somebody who's done it before who can lessen your involvement in the process and you still get a product that you can be proud to hold up and will stand up against any book published by a major New York publisher, Simon & Schuster, Penguin House, et cetera. Now, 15 years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. I used to be able to look at a self-published book and a a book published by a well-known publisher, and I could could spot the self-published book in a heartbeat because the cover was really crappy or it was formatted badly or, you know, just it it was bound in a really atrocious manner. But now if I would lay out books I've published for my clients and even uh, books I've gotten uh, on behalf of other people, but I know they're self-published, and lay them side by side with the Simon & Schuster's, the Penguin House, the Macmillan & Company books, I cannot see a difference. And that's the joy that Amazon has brought to the self-publishing industry and the ease that they've brought to the self-publishing industry that it's now available to the masses, even though, thankfully, the masses don't take take advantage of it, but no longer do you have to wait and send your 3,000 inquiry letters, you know, and get rejected by 3,000 publishers or agents or whatever. You can shortcut the process, do it yourself, and do it in a way that you have a product that you can hold up against any New York Times bestseller book. 
Right. And again, you usually see with all the tools that are out there today, this is a lot easier to do than perhaps it used to be or perhaps people thought it could be. So with all that, with all that, let's look into uh, you know, what in your estimation, just so we can sum this area up, are the top three ways that a local business owner can use to make money with their book. You mentioned earlier that in some cases the goals don't even sell any copies. So what are the top three ways a local business owner can make money with this book? Well, I've talked about uh, another one of these two in sending out the book to become a media darling. Um, that's also right. has a lot of awe around it. You know, when you're invited to be on the show before the local news, you know, a lot of television stations will run a, a kind of a talk show thing before they do the six o'clock news or ten o'clock news or what have you. You're you're invited to be on that kind of show. People hear you talk on the radio. Um, being that expert, that local area expert, um, I, well, I actually had a, a funny uh, situation happen in a, a hair salon about three years ago. A guy walked in off the street. It was one of these master cut kinds of places. My husband and I were waiting for haircuts, and a guy walked in off the street. And he looked familiar, but I wasn't quite sure who he was. And, you know, he sat down, had his haircut. He was very cordial, and he left. And one of the stylists says, wow, I'm really surprised he came in here. That was, you know, such and such, you know. He was a very well-known um, personal injury attorney in the area. That's why I recognized him because he was on massive billboards. I just didn't connect it because I didn't expect him to see him in the beauty shop, you know. And uh, she said, he could have gone anywhere to have a, hair, have a haircut. So he comes here, you know, for a $25 haircut. So you just never know how much, how, how people react when they see you um, on television and see you in the real world. That was, that was, was kind of a, a funny story of, of how that all happened. Yeah. Um, it, it helps you get speaking gigs. So another really great way to, to market your business is to go out and talk about something that you do in the business. And you mentioned belonging to some local civic clubs, the local Qantas club, the local Rotary, the local Lions club, uh, professional right. associations. All, that book, having a book will open the door so they may not have been necessarily open to having you speak at their event, but once you introduce yourself as an author, give them a copy of the book, those speaking gigs, even though they're free speaking gigs, um, they come a lot easier. And once you've got that speaking gig, you then give away some copies of your book. Perhaps you have a drawing for the, you know, five or ten copies of the books to be given away. You might sell a few in the back of the room if you don't choose to give them away to everybody in attendance. And it's a great way to grow your list. And you and I both know, Adam, that having that email list is key. You know, Facebook could go away tomorrow. Twitter could go away tomorrow. Instagram could go away tomorrow. Or they could change the rules on how they let people use their platforms. But nobody's going to take away your email list or your customer list. So that is the goal of your yeah, business. True. So, so, so getting using that book to get those speaking gigs is key, and then integrating giving away the book into your normal marketing. I, I had touched on this earlier in terms of not having to market the book per se, but using it as a part of your local marketing. If you're doing television advertising or newspaper advertising, rather than saying, "Oh, well, you know, call us at this number," you know, to talk about your bathtub reglazing. Tell them to get a, you know, go to your website and get a free copy of your book. So have a call to action and use the book as your call to action in your advertising and see how your, your, the ROI on that ad increases. It's really hard um, for business owners to figure out, well, you know, if I spend $5,000 this year on this billboard, what kind of ROI am I going to get from that? Because you don't know. You have absolutely no way to track it. While this doesn't necessarily right. give you a definitive way to track it, 
you can at least say, or you know, maybe on your on the form that they fill out, like, well, how did you hear about this? You know, and say, oh, I saw your billboard when I was driving along I-10, and decided, you know, to text you or you know, to go to your website and request this. So you get a better sense of where people are seeing you, and you start, you know, making your advertising pay off in terms of getting people to take action because people aren't necessarily unless they're in just, you know, they happen to see your ad and they're you're in Texas and it's in August and 110 degrees outside and your air conditioning just blew. Well, yeah, that's going to really motivate them to call you, but that's not typically the case. And so people may be thinking about doing something. You know, they may be thinking about having their bathtub reglazed, but it's like, well, I don't quite have the money for it yet. Or, you know, I'm not quite ready to do that. You know, my wife isn't on board, but let me get this book, you know, and I'll start, uh, I'll give her this book and maybe, you know, that will make the decision process come along more readily. Plus, you know, they're getting some great information about reglazing the bathtub, for example. So that's that's what I also encourage people to do is, you know, integrate that into your marketing in a way where you can see better ROI, especially if you're advertising because it's so hard to get that, to, to feel that your advertising money is being well spent because you're not seeing necessarily seeing direct results of that. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's make sure that people don't, go down the wrong path here. Uh, you mentioned to me that there's a big mistake that local business owners make that can cripple their book's money-making ability. So what do they need to not be doing? Well, they need to remember to have a call to action in that. You know, if I can't state this enough, they need to be building uh -huh. the email list. Now, a lot of business owners do that already, and they do stay in email contact with their clients, customers, and patients. But for a lot of local business owners, email marketing is still that weird little thing that they've never quite gotten. You know, they finally paid to have the website created, and that was a painful process, but they've never really gotten on board with email marketing because, you know, it's it's technical, it's foreign, it's like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I don't know if my customers would go for that. And so even if they don't have an email marketing platform in place, I really work with customers or my clients who don't do that to integrate that into their marketing, give it a try, try to make it painless for them, as painless as I can possibly make it, and just let them experience it for six months, nine months. They really, they've got to give it a shot, you know, to, to be able to measure the effectiveness of it. Um, and they can start the ball rolling by putting a call to action in their books that takes the reader, reader a little bit further in the process. You know, it's, it might be a checklist, a worksheet of, or, of some sort that continues whatever topic they're talking about in the book, you'll want to make it something unique. You know, if you're really um, a hot Internet marketing person, you know, as a local business owner, you may already have a giveaway on your site. Make it something different than what is currently available on your site. Make the reader feel special that something you specially designed just for them and have a landing page that welcomes them, you know, takes them through the, the opt-in process. And, you know, if you're really on the ball and working with a great marketer like myself, you have a great autoresponder series that continues the process for you, continues them down the no like, and trust journey so that they think of you, they're always thinking of you when they get to that point of being ready to solve the problem that they first started reading about in the book that they got from you, and even though it may be the digital version of the book they got from you. Right, right. And, you know, that, that's very important to consider because I do see a lot of books that don't have any sort, particularly the nonfiction business genre, which is what we're discussing here, where they don't have any call to action. And as far as email marketing, you are very accurate. Email marketing is never going to die. They said 
that can scale would be the death of email marketing. No. They said the capsule would be the death of email marketing. No. They said the Google promotion tab, uh, Gmail promotion tab would be the end of email marketing. No. They said that uh, GDPR would be the end of email marketing. No. <laughs> In fact, the common thread running through all those things is right. if, you, if you had been doing email marketing, the legitimate, ethical, and proper way the entire time, none of those things would have even affected you. And each one exactly. of those cases felt basically the bill coming due for a few scammers and sleazoids who were abusing email marketing, and they got what they deserved, whether it was losing their list or having to jump through a bunch of loops to even stay in business because they had done something fundamentally wrong, in most cases knowingly, and against the advice of people who knew better, and their chickens came home to roost. This for the vast majority of people. They added a line to their privacy policy and went on with life. I mean, so if you're doing it the right way from the very beginning, it's going to be an effective tool for you over time. And as far as the frequency of your email marketing, because people ask, well, should I send an email every day or every week? And am I going to... Uh, am I going to be sending too much? Are people going to get upset? The fact is you keep sending, and you keep sending, and there is no one answer to how often you can send. Some people, like, for instance, Brian Tracy has been known to send 10 emails to his list in one day, and you don't hear a lot of people complaining about that. In fact, when I tell people that, and I got that information directly from somebody who used to work with Brian Tracy on his marketing, email, email 10 times a day on, in some cases. And you don't hear a lot of people complaining that Brian Tracy sends too many emails. The reason being is he does great email marketing. It's ethical. It's, it's well-designed. It's optimized. It's in key with his audience. So they welcome it. And the other thing about email marketing is even if everybody, everybody doesn't open every message, the fact they keep seeing your name in their inbox means that when it comes time for them to look for someone like you, you're the name that's going to pop into their mind. And every so exactly. often they're going to say, they're going to say, oh boy, it's another email from this Donna Gunther. Let me just check her out and just see what she's talking about here. Maybe this is interesting. I don't know. I opted into this for something. So let's find out. <laughs> exactly. Well, the the thing about putting a call to action in the book, it really hits people in a in a strange way because they think I can't do that. You know, because they don't see other books that are that way. You know, Simon & Schuster, Penguin House, Macmillan and Company, they don't let their authors put calls to action in their books. I mean, you're lucky if you get, you know, a half-page biography about yourself as the author. And I say, well, guess right. what? You're the book. You're, you're the author of this book. It's being self-published. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. It's your book. You're paying for it. So let's make it work yeah. for your business. I mean, not to the point where every page is an ad or, you know, every page is some solicitation to buy something. You know, do it within reason, but don't definitely don't think you can't do it just because the bigger houses don't do that. They they have their philosophy, they have their way of doing things. You're not under contract to them. You know, you're working with me. Let's and I want you to help. I want to help you grow your business with this book. Let's make it work for you. So getting them over that yeah. what's seen as a taboo is sometimes a challenge. They don't realize that you know they're they're the decision maker. They can do whatever they want to. It's their book. Yeah, let me just point out something. Groundhog Day is presented on a business strategy, which is my book. This thing goes on for almost 300 pages. And when you open it up, you're going to see it has you know, larger fonts. It has a lot of headers, subheaders, sections, bullet points. 
It's designed for digital literacy and skimability. So you're not going to open the thing and find long paragraphs of nine point times New Roman. Uh, we want to make this fun. The book doesn't have any pictures. This is, I didn't want to deal with any royalty issues and uh, or or make the picture work right for Kindle type issues. I put plenty of pictures in it, but I use other ways to break it up. And as I said, this story, this book was designed to answer the question of what type of work I do with consulting clients. And it was done in a storytelling sort of way. I didn't hire a developmental editor. I didn't really hire somebody just to check it real quick to make sure I didn't forget any instances of the Oscar comma, which is something I care about more than periods and exclamation points, candidly. <laughs> um, other than that, I didn't really do any, anything at all. I did the whole thing in two weeks, and I, and I did it with a specific intent. And I got a number of reviews and people who have written to me or even called me personally, working me in person and told me, hey, I read your book, and I was laughing out loud because I felt like this is what you sound like every time I have a conversation with you. And I knew right then I achieved the goal of the book. Everything else was Right. Exactly. So when you goal. get that kind of feedback, that's golden. Yeah, that's my two cents for uh, the local business owner who may be worried about, well, what if I don't do this exactly right? Think about what your goal is. Your goal is or could be, rather, for somebody to say, hey, this so-and-so is this car dealership. This seems like a likable person. You know who they talk, they're talking about when it comes to customer service or whatever it is. So I'm in the market for a car. Maybe I'll stop down there and uh, and uh, see what they have on the lot. Right. And that's and how you sell more cars. Great. Yeah. So we are actually pretty much at the top of the hour. We have two and a half minutes left. I want to give one of those to you, Donna, for anybody who's uh, – on the edge of their seat and leaning forward, wanting more. Uh, just um, tell us more about if you have any gift for us or anything you want to share with us or how people engage with you. Well, I like to walk my talk, as they say, and so I've spent the last hour talking about putting your book into as many hands as possible, giving it away. You know, financially, it's not feasible for me to give a physical copy of my book to everybody who listens to this show. So I'm going to do the second best thing and offer a digital version of my new book to everybody who listens to this show. So I've just published my book called Make Them Choose You, How Local Business Owners Can Double Their Business, Get Customers Consistently, and Have More Free Time Without Being Held Hostage by Expensive Marketers. And they can visit uh, makethemchooseyou.com forward slash BCRS, Business Creators Radio Shows, where I got those initials. So that's makethemchooseyou.com slash BCRS. And, you know, again, walking my talk, there's a call to action in there uh, to get my book action plan. If you are thinking you want to do this for your business and want to start thinking about it, there are some questions that I ask to get you headed in the right direction. And I've been interviewing some authors who've had great success with their books. And so the replays of those interviews are also on the download page for the giveaway so I hope people will choose to read my book. And I, I guess I'll, I'll add this kind of as an aside. Um, even one of the most horrifying things I guess clients hear from me, or they think it's horrifying, is it doesn't matter if they read your book. And they're like, what? You know, I've gone through all this expense, effort, and energy, you know, to get this book out. What do you mean it doesn't matter? And I said, they're going to hold on to it. And if you've got, you know, it's going back to your, your example, the, the car dealership with the customer service, they, they'll just know. It's like, oh, they wrote the book on customer service. They must be doing something right. I'm going to buy my car there because 
Nothing ticks me off more than buying a car and having crappy customer service. And so you've already transferred that authority as the customer service guru in their mind, even though they may not have ever opened the book and read a yeah. page. So don't exactly. don't flip out, you know, if they don't read your book. It really is okay because that, that authority is already go. transferred. Uh, if people want to awesome. go to my website, it's bizsmartmedia.com. I've got some uh, lots of articles, lots of information there on marketing in general, book publishing as well. All right. Okay, well, Donna Gunther, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Well, thank you, Adam. It's been great having a, having a great conversation with you, finding out how much we have in, in common with our love of books and writing. <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check us out at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.